Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Acts chapter 12 in your Bible, verse 5. And so the church is praying. See, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are spiritual. And they're praying, look at verse 5, fervently. This same word Luke uses in Luke twenty-two forty-four for the prayer of Jesus, that Jesus was praying so fervently his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. He was fervently crying out. And in that context, what did Jesus pray? If it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but don't forget the other part. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now that's not a cop-out. God is running the universe, not us. I know we need to be reminded of that, right? Because when things don't go our way and we're all human, we get frustrated and it, it rattles our faith and we're, we wonder, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. Why are you not with my program? Let's be honest. We pray that way. But there are some things that legitimately perplex us. Why would James die? Why is Peter in prison? Why does this wicked ruler have one iota of power over the church? The church gathers and the church is praying. And when we gather and pray, we have to keep in the back of our mind that we're not praying for our will, but for God's will to be done. And this went on for a while. Peter's time in prison and the prayers offered, I'm sure, went on for days because Herod was waiting for the feast to end. These days must have been agonizing, probably laced with doubt. And we can even infer from the circumstances of the time that the church spent time praying for James as well. They probably had heard about James being captured, but that didn't end really good. James was killed. Maybe after prayer meetings had occurred for his release, surely God, you're going to release James. And James is dead. You can imagine that the church was legitimately reeling. And you know, there are times in our Christian life that we have to say we are too. We gather for prayer. We pray about stuff. It doesn't always go the way that we would hope. And so look what happens. And on the very night, that is the night that the church had gathered to pray, when Herod was about to bring him forward, to bring Peter uh, forward to be executed, Peter was what? He was sleeping. Now, I don't know how well you would sleep the night before you were going to be brought out to be executed. I don't think I'd have a good night's sleep. But Peter was sleeping, and notice his position. He's not on a sleep number bed, just, you know, kind of registered to his perfect back position. Actually, Peter is sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. Guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. Maximum security. And Peter would write later, Cast all your anxiety to him because he what? Because he cares about you. You can cast your anxiety. And Peter was sleeping, resting in the Lord. I'm sure he had to be uptight. He was human. But I'm sure he had to be thinking about James and the loss. But he was still resting in the Lord and maybe even resting in the prophecy that he knew. You see, Peter and Paul in the book of Acts, one is sleeping when he's in prison And the other one's singing when he's in prison. What's wrong with these people? You're not in in the stocks in prison or chained next to two guards and resting, uh, sawing logs and uh, sleeping and singing, are you? 
But this shows you where their confidence was. And it challenges me. And I think it challenges you. What do we really believe? Do we believe God is still the same? Do we still believe that he's a God of deliverance? Well, notice what happens. And behold, uh, all of a sudden the camera turns in the account. An angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell because angels are real shiny. And he, the angel, struck Peter's side and roused him and said, get up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. What a beautiful picture of the power of God, the power of the gospel. All of a sudden, Peter's just kicking it, and the angel says, hey, get up. What, 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 what? Now, the description is almost going to remind you of a kid who's going to go to school and has spent the whole summer sleeping in, right? Peter's just going to be rocked. The angel said to him, verse 8, gird yourself. Put on your sandals. He's given them all the detailed instructions and all the parents said, man, I can feel this text, right? Get dressed. Put on your sandals. Why do I have to tell you everything to do? Don't you know by now how we operate in this household? Pick up your towel. Put on your shoes. Do this and do it by this time. They don't seem to get it. I don't know. But anyway, so the angel, the angel seems almost impatient Come on, get your shoes on. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know what was being done. Peter was almost like a sleepwalker. By the, by the angel was real, but though thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard, I don't know what happened to the guards. I don't know if they were incapacitated by the angel. I don't know if he froze everybody, but they just moved by. And they came to the iron gate that leads into the city which opened for them by itself. The word, single word open for them by itself is automate in Greek. It's where we get the idea of the word automatic. Do you think Peter ever saw an automatic door? He lived a couple thousand years ago, people. He had never seen that before. Wow, angel power, man. This is cool, right? So the gate opens. Now, you might be thinking, oh, this is a nice story. Nice story in the Bible. You know, even, even some critical scholars look at this story and they say, I don't know, all these miracles. I'm just really uncomfortable with miracles. Well, then you've got to be uncomfortable with the God of the Bible because he's a God of miracles. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created everything that exists with his power. Do you believe that? He can open iron gates without much of a problem. He can make chains fall off people's hands without much of a problem. Tor- Corey Tim Boom was in the Nazi concentration camps and she had her Bible. She had always carried it and she realized she was going to uh, be searched and woman after worm- woman before her searched by the, the Nazi guards and she was praying, Oh Lord, make me invisible. Make my Bible invisible. I'm paraphrasing. Please don't let them see my Bible and take it away. Guards searched everybody, searched everybody. Corey came and they simply just let her pass by and didn't find her Bible. Apparently the Lord made her invisible. And she was able to take that Bible in and minister to many, many people. And so the gate opens and they went out, uh, verse 10, end of the verse, and went along one street and immediately the angel departed from him. Now isn't that a bummer? I mean, I have a bunch of questions, right? Please stick around, have some tea. I just want to ask you a few things. Right? Boom. Angel's gone. Serving the Lord. He's done his job. And Peter came to himself, verse 11, 
And he said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued or delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Oh, they wanted to see my demise. And God, could you imagine, would you be praising God a little bit that day? Praise the Lord for his mighty deliverance. Peter comes to his senses, look what God, have you ever been there before? Look what God has done for me. Our God is amazing. He's a a wonder-working God. And and Peter realizes, man, I've been spared. God is faithful. Jacob was uh, running from Esau in Genesis 28. And he was literally between a rock and a hard place. And he made a rock for his pillow. And Esau was coming and, uh, and uh, he, was, he was trapped. His father-in-law was pursuing him. And he thought, I'm done for. And do you remember what happened? He got a vision of a ladder. We call it Jacob's ladder. And he saw angels descending and ascending constantly on this ladder. What's the message of Jacob's ladder? That angels exist to minister to, an, to those who will inherit salvation. Hebrews 1.14, the message is, Jacob, you may feel alone, you may feel trapped, but I'm always working. Just take a look at how my angels move up and down from heaven to earth. I just dispatch them and they go. I dispatch them and they go. And Jacob realizes, God was in this place and I did not know it. I didn't realize that God was here in the prison cell, Peter might say. I didn't realize that though trapped and the odds seem insurmountable, God's always working. His ladder or maybe escalator is always operational. God is always on the move. We can't see it though. And that's what Jacob confessed. God was here. And he named the place Bethel. He called it the house of God For God was here and I didn't realize it. And so many times in my life, I'm that way. It's like I have to look back and then I say, oh, yeah, then that, yeah. You've been there before? God God was working and I, I didn't realize it. Well, here's Peter. So he's out of the prison. So what would you do now? You're out of the prison. Well, he's gonna go find the church and then he's gonna try to get out of town, right? He's gonna tell people what happened. So, He says, it says, when he realized this, verse 12, he went to the house of Mary, where the early church had gathered, the mother of John, who was also called Mark or John Mark, and many were gathered together and were praying. Now, we're going to find out that they were praying for Peter. And so he shows up at the house, and he wants to share the good news. And so when he knocked at the door of the gate, A servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Her name means rose. And you're going to see her faith is like a rose in the desert of unbelief. So here's Peter knocking at the door. Servant girl Rhoda, rose comes. And when she recognized Peter's voice, now people in the ancient world would sometimes knock and they would identify themselves. Hello, it is Peter. Or it could be that she said, who is it? And he went, Peter, and she was so excited that Peter was at the gate, standing in the front of the gate, that she, because of her joy, she didn't open the gate, but she ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. Can you imagine being Peter? Hello! I just got broken out of prison by the angel! And I need to get out of town because surely these people are going to be looking for me, and I don't know how long the angel mist is going to last. Open the door! Rhoda runs 
And some people believe that she ran to an upper room and maybe this was the house where Jesus shared the Passover and the early church gathered in the book of Acts. We don't know for sure, but it seemed to be a well-to-do family. And so she runs up there and she, she says, Peter's at the gate, look at verse 15, and they said to her, you're out of your mind. We're just praying here. We don't really believe that God's going to release him out of that prison. And then I started thinking, you know, I do that. I pray, but do I really believe that heaven is enlisted? I pray, do I really believe that God hears my prayers and delights to bless his children? Or am I just, see if you can relate to this, am I just praying? Am I just going through the motions? Or do I really believe the God of the universe still answers prayer? You know, he showed me that this week. Confronted my heart. Do you believe, Michael, when you pray that I'm actually going to move on your behalf, especially, of course, if it's his will? Oh, we're just praying. You're nuts, Rhoda. We don't believe he's at the door. And she, look at the language. This is humor in your Bible. She kept saying, no, he's at the door. That's the tense of the language. And, she, and so they kind of changed their tune. She was so insistent, they kept saying, well then, it must be his angel. Now, if you've read the Bible for a while, you have to be thinking, what in the world are they saying here? F.F. Bruce, one of the eminent Greek scholars, says there was a belief, and it seemed to be formed after the New Testament, that people's spirits, even the, wor- the word here is angelos, for the normal word for angels, los angeles, means the city of angels. Angelos is the Greek word. So when they said it's his angel, F.F. Bruce says there was a belief that either, there's two views. A, everybody had a guardian angel and, and Jesus seems to imply this in Matthew 18, verse 10, and that your guardian angel looks like you, interesting, and maybe even sounds like you, or the second view says they thought it was Peter's spirit In other words, if it was Peter's spirit, they thought he had died. So it's his angel. But we don't really believe that Peter is standing at the door. And Peter continued to knock. 16, let me in. And when they had opened the door, they saw him. And they were amazed. The prayer meeting turned into a praise meeting. Now listen to this. This is R. Kent Hughes talking about a story from communist uh, Simba rebels. 1964, communist Simba rebels took over the town of Bunia in Zaire and began arresting and executing anyone they considered enemies of the revolution. One of their victims was Pastor Zabadeo Aidu. The day uh, following his arrest was to be a great political holiday. And as part of the celebration, great crowds were gathered in front of the monument to Patrice Lumbumba, the spiritual leader of the revolution. There were to be speeches by dignitaries from the provincial capital, Stanleyville, and a large number of prisoners were to be executed in front of the monument as part of the happenings. So the prisoners were taken from their cells, herded onto a truck to be taken to the plaza. But for some mysterious reason, the engine refused to start in the truck. The prisoners were finally unloaded and compelled to push the truck to get it started. When they finally arrived in front of the angry police commissioner's office, the furious official wanted no further delay. 
So he lined the prisoners up and ordered them to count off. One, two. One, two. The number twos were marched back to the prison. The number ones were slated to die. So the commissioner then ordered all of the number ones to march double time to the monument where they died a few minutes later by execution by firing squads. In their cells, the twos could hear the sound of gunfire and they wondered why they had been spared and if they were next. So Pastor Zebedeo shared with them his hope of heaven with the prisoners that were still alive and eternal life and eight people found their way to Jesus Christ that day. So here's what happens. Hardly had the pastor finished preaching the message of the gospel and these people getting saved than a very excited messenger came panting to the door with an order. The pastor had been arrested by mistake. They were to release him at once. Can you imagine his relief? He bid farewell to the remaining prisoners and the new believers and returned to his home, which was next to the chapel, where he discovered that a crowd of believers had gathered in the house of God And they were on their knees praying for his safety and his release. Great was their rejoicing when the answer to their prayers walked into the church building. The prayer service became a praise service for God's faithfulness. And then Hughes comments, the God of Peter still lives, close quote. Amen? And so here's Peter and he has to quiet everybody down now because everybody's fired up. And they're, they'll praise God and they're, I'm sure they're hollering and, and praising God. And it was little Rhoda Rose who believed among all the unbelief. Sometimes we need one person just to say, are we going to trust God or not? But motioning to them with his hands to quiet down, to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. And he said, report these things to James, who was the leader of the Jerusalem church, the brother of our Lord and the brethren. And he departed and went to another place, probably to to go into hiding. Now when day came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers. By the way, that means there was a big one. As to what could have become of Peter. And when Herod had searched for him and had not found him, could you imagine how fired up Herod must have been? His prized prisoner gone. What? You had chains on him. You had three iron gates. What is wrong with you people? Some angel come and break him out? Can you imagine the dialogue? And so this was serious business for guards. So he ordered the guards, he examined the guards and ordered that they be led away to execution. Wow. And he went down, 16 guards died from Judea to Caesarea, that's Caesarea by the sea, and he was spending time there. I think Herod said, man, I need to go to the beach. I'm going to the beachfront headquarters. It's just too stressful. He took my prisoner. I couldn't kill him. (laughs) I'm going to the beach. Right? So off he goes. Now he, Herod, was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, And with one accord, they came to him, and having won over Blastus, the king's chamberlain, a trusted personal servant of the king, they were asking for peace because their country was fed by the king's country. So some sort of disagreement, competition, and they come to kiss up to the boss, basically, and they won over his assistant. And on an appointed day, Herod, who had killed James, remember, put on his royal apparel. Now, Josephus, the historian outside the Bible, tells us he had these shining silver garments on. He was arrayed. The sun was shining and glistening off his silver clothing. And so he sat on the rostrum 
which was a bima, literally, an elevated uh, chair or throne. And he began delivering an address to the people. So they're there to appease him and he's there to honor the Caesar with games and a feast and all this stuff. And the people kept crying out as he gave his speech, this is the voice of a God and not a man. And Herod was like, oh yeah, got my silver on today. Yeah, keep, keep talking to me. This is the voice of a God. And they kept saying it over and over again. They kept crying out, the voice of a God and not a man. He must be a God. And all of a sudden, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give the glory God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and died. Now, if you were part of the church and you were wondering, what happens to despots that defy God and kill his people? Well, some of them are eaten by worms, by the hand of God. And this idea of striking Herod is the same word used when the angel struck Peter on the side to wake him up. And angels touch you in different ways depending on where you stand with God. And so Herod was struck. Now, Josephus tells us that, this is secular history now, that Herod was out giving the speech and all of a sudden, in the middle of one of his sentences, he went, and he had some abdominal problems. And he had to stop the speech and they carried him into the palace. And five days later, according to Joseph, Josephus, he died. Medical experts who look at this kind of thing say that he probably died of a tapeworm. We don't know for sure, but in the ancient world, tapeworms would get into you and they would kind of block up your bowel system and you would things would back up and you would die and it wouldn't be pretty. And what's interesting is another ruler, Antiochus Epiphanes, who killed a bunch of Jewish people and it's kind of a foretaste of the Antichrist, died of, the, of a similar disease some sort of bowel obstruction which may have involved worms. So were you guys going out to eat later? Uh, Anyway. Now notice, this is to encourage us, the church. But Herod died, but 24, the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. You can't stop God, is the point. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem When they had fulfilled their mission, remember they had taken the offering to the Judean Christians and taking along with them John, that's John Mark, who is also called Mark and he'll become a central point of uh, the texts that are ahead of us. But here's just the final thought. Our God is a delivering God and he rules the universe and he hasn't left the throne. Herods don't rule. Uh, Whoever else you want to name on this planet, God rules. And he presides over all the funerals of those who defy him and will not repent. And our greatest deliverance is the cross. And this time of year, you know, when we put up manger scenes, it's a reminder, God came down. Why did he come down? Simeon said, behold, my eyes have seen thy deliverer. Praise God. That's our God. Now we're about to take communion, so the ushers are going to come with the elements of communion. And would you hold them, and we'll take the elements together. We invite you, if you're a believer, to partake in communion. If you are a believer, um, it's a good time to just do some reflection, introspection, meditation on the message, uh, just to let God speak to your heart about how he would have you respond. If you're not a believer, I would just say to you, Become one. Get saved. 
Trust in Jesus Christ right now. Don't let your head hit the pillow another night without knowing him. Believe on Jesus and you will be saved. Believe he died on the cross for you, that he rose from the dead. Trust in him. Turn away from your sin. You can't do it on your own. You're not going to make it to heaven on your own. But he saves. And a prayer is really all you need to offer. It has to be a sincere uh, decision, but it's something like this. Lord Jesus, save me. I've sinned against you. I'm sorry. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. I want to be your child. I want to know you. Be my God. Be my Savior. And if you ask him in, he won't reject you. He'll welcome you. He'll give you a new start. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Changing scenery in Acts chapter 12 is that we see Peter in prison again. And this time, the security is a lot tighter. He has two guards, one on each side of him, but he is woken up by an angel, and he's directed by the angel, time to get dressed, let's get going here. This time it says that Peter obediently follows the angel, rather than arguing and rather than saying, not so, Lord. He goes with the angel, and he goes to a house to where there's a prayer meeting occurred. And as he knocks on the door to be let in, the little girl answers the door and says, hey, let's just look at the door. And Peter's out there knocking. And what do the people there that are holding the prayer meeting say? What do they do? Well, well, the irony is they're praying for his release. And so then he shows up at the door, gets released in answer to their prayers. And then they, they don't want to believe it's him. <laughs> so, you know, the application for us, Oscar, is pretty obvious. Sometimes we pray and we're like shocked when God answers our prayer. Like, wow, <laughs> I didn't think he was going to really answer my prayer. <laughs> So there's some irony here. I think it's Rhoda who answers the door and she goes, you know, she runs up and, you know, says, hey, he's at the door. And then they say something really intriguing. They say, nah, it's his angel. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, oh, I wish I had a little bit more on that. What do they mean? It's his angel. And this is where some people, Oscar, have argued that along with a verse in Matthew uh, 18, I think it is, where uh, perhaps we each have a guardian angel. And uh, I think some of us need more guardian angels than Mm -hmm. others, but uh, it even brings up the question of how many angels are there. If each one of us could have a guardian angel, what, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Of course, not all of them are Christians, but um, if 2 billion of them are, that's a lot of angels. Um, but it is interesting that they kind of doubt, um, and you had brought it up, you know, why would they think it's uh, Peter's angel and not Peter himself? And we don't really know, but, but we can see their humanity, even though they're having this very serious prayer meeting to pray for his uh you know, rescue. Um, they don't quite have all the faith. And, and I think it's hopeful for us, Oscar, as well, recognizing our humanity and recognizing that, you know, sometimes when we pray, we may not always expect that God's going to answer those prayers as we prayed. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. 
You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org.